Hello, I'm Daniel, and welcome to the podcast Life Changes You. Each week, we will be discussing different subjects that could change how you feel about your life. There will be interviews with people who have inspired me and changed the way I think about my life. My motto is explore what you love, transform how you think, and become an exceptional being. This is part three of my interview with Katie Dibb, Director and Principal Psychologist of Elysium Psychology. I hope you enjoy it. Do you ever feel like burnt out? And if you do, how do you feel? How, how do you get around that? Like, because you, if you speak to five or 10 people a day, even five, at the end of the day, some of those problems, you must walk away going, whoa, that was actually a really hard thing that they're going through. Mm. How do you adjust into your normal life when you've left your session and not bring that with you? I think that every client, there's a little bit of every client with me, yep. you know, and I think that 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 keeps me grounded. It keeps me having a perspective about life that I adore, which is that there is always adversity out there and people are struggling a lot more than I do. So even though some people might interpret that you're carrying the burden of the responsibility of that story or the, the, you know, the awareness of that adversity, I think on the flip side, you know, I try to reframe that and use that as a protective mechanism for my own world, which is I'm so lucky to have what I have. You know, I'm so protected by my friends, my family, my partner, my children, you know, my animals, my space, my environment. Yeah, I've seen you've got quite a few new animals. I do, (laughs) I do. And, you know, for me, animals are really restorative. So, um, you know, sure there's times where I take on probably a bit too much yeah. and, and I feel overwhelmed. But I think at this point in my career, I kind of try to manage that yeah. pretty well. Um, I do a lot of self-care, you know, and that's that's pretty much part of my daily, daily routine, you know, yep. somehow. I use the drive to and from work as a way to kind of disconnect from work and reconnect with home. Yep. And I'm lucky that the drive is kind of long enough that it almost feels like there's a lot of distance yeah. between it's your that. Sort of, it's time to debrief yourself. Debr- yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So when we were sitting down before we started the podcast today, we were talking about how we should actually frame this question that I had, um, but we decided to go with how I'd written it because for some people it might it might fit with them better. Mm-hmm. So it was, what's the most common reason for people failing or giving up? Mm-hmm. And yep. what did we come up with? We were yeah, going to I think it to... Um, I think I, I had a, a sense of being uncomfortable with the language yeah. um, because for me, I don't like to see people as failing. Yeah. Um, one, I think that, that the experiences people have doesn't define them. Yeah. So they aren't a failure yeah, themselves. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I and I often, you know, that, that idea of giving up, sometimes it's just not, the, they don't have the right skills or they don't have the right resources. Um, and or, they could come back to it. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah, totally. So I think that, you know, when I think about uh, why people don't succeed, that's probably what I'm most comfortable with, yep. even though I'm not super comfortable with that, but we'll go yep. with that. I think that it comes back to that sense of belief in themselves. Yep. You know, I think that Psychologically, people often have an underlying belief that they are a failure and yep. so are really stuck at that barrier, yeah. you know. That, like that, I was. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. I think that that's been, you know, pretty 
obvious in your situation yeah, yeah, that yeah. there was this perception that you were a failure based on somebody else's interpretation Yeah, which happened you. to me like 20 years earlier. Yeah, but yeah. you held on to that. Yeah. You put that in your pocket and you carried it around every day yeah. and that was the lens in which you viewed your world. Yes. And so you probably collected evidence along the way that you were a failure. Yeah, yeah, and yeah probably, to support that, to make yeah, it bigger and bigger. Yeah, exactly, yeah. and filtered out the successes, yeah. you know. And so I... I yeah, I, I, I guess there there was a um, an aversion to that statement about people failing, um, because I I really don't want people to individuals to reinforce that that word that, that word or yeah, that stigma. sense about themselves. Yeah. you know it is sometimes we don't always get everything right, but that doesn't define you. Yeah, you know, and so I think that. If somebody believes that they are a failure or perceives that they have done something that has failed, yeah. um, it's not helpful for them no. to feel like that because it's often going to reinforce a negative sense of self-worth. Definitely. Um, yeah. You know, it often leads to behaviours that doesn't reinforce success. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's kind of, uh, yeah. It's I, not I, a good statement. And, no. and look, in one of my earlier podcasts, I did actually discuss failure and I said that I like to look at it nowadays as a learning curve because there's always an opportunity in everything that goes wrong. There's yeah. always an opportunity where you go, oh, actually, that could work. Yeah. So you do learn from it. You just have to sit back yeah. and take a minute to look at what happened. And then you go, actually, if I did this, that would actually work. Yeah. And uh, so a lot of people would probably go, oh, no, I did fail. But it's not a failure. It's an mm. opportunity yeah. to look at something different or yeah. in a different way. Yeah, yeah. So I think that sometimes when we aren't, as successful or we don't achieve what we want to achieve in, in a situation or we have an adverse situation, I think that you're right, that there is those opportunities. I call them the growing edges, yeah. you know, the bits that we want to grow in ourselves that perhaps are still quite, you know, just budding if we're going to use the idea of like a tree and a branch, yeah, yeah. you know, they're just budding or they're not there yeah. yet. And I think that, you know, using that analogy, sometimes we've got to graft something on just to make it grow, yeah, yeah. you know, and whether that's another resource, like another person or whether that's, that's yeah, exactly you know, what learning. what I was saying in this other podcast was sometimes you need to get new people in your life so that you broaden your horizons and you get new ideas and it doesn't mean you dump all your other friends. It's just look for new opportunities and it could be a person, it could be a book, it could be study, it could be watching a film and you look at something and go, wow, actually this can change. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think so many people believe that they have to do it all themselves, yeah. you know, and that and that if they uh, enlist the support of others or, you know, accept resources or support that that somehow in indicates that they're not able to do it. But I don't I don't think anybody is able to do it all on their own. No, no, no. You know, I certainly rely heavily on my colleagues, on my family, you know, and my friends uh, to give and me what I need. And they're actually learning just by looking for those other resources yeah. because they're learning how to look for different ways of finding things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so developing the the resourcefulness and developing that openness to being vulnerable. Yeah. You know, um, Bren Brown, who I love and is a great inspiration for me, um, you know, she sort of talks about we need to get more comfortable with vulnerability. Yeah. You know, we need to be okay that... And we're all a bit scared of that, aren't mm. we, to open up and let people see who we really are. Yeah. Especially with social media. Yeah. Because everybody seems to be so perfect. You yeah. think, oh, my God, I have to look like them, I have to be like them, I have to do what they're doing. Yeah. And in reality, we don't. We have to just love what we do. Yeah. And be who we are. Yeah. And, and I think that developing an acceptance of our imperfections and not striving for perfection yeah. is actually probably our most protective behaviour, yeah. you know, is actually just, just sitting comfortably in that space of acceptance and recognising our deficits but not judging them, you yeah. know, which 
is a whole nother story. But uh, we, we, you know, it, it's it's again another opportunity that if you're struggling to do that, reach out for some support with a professional. You know, a psychologist will guide you through that journey or teach you the skills on how to develop acceptance, how to tolerate distress associated with yeah. vulnerability. Yeah. You know, how to challenge the idea that I need to be perfect because if I'm not perfect, I'm a failure. Yeah. You know, and and. And I think all of these, you know, ideas about ourselves and and all of these, um, I guess, perspectives can be challenged in a professional space if you need that help yeah. to do that. And, you know, that's what psychologists are trained to do yeah, is yeah, yeah. To, to teach you to do that. So I think that there is an opportunity there for people to do that. So what's one bit of advice you'd give to someone who wanted to become a psychologist when they're looking at, say, five, six years, seven years of study, what should they be looking for? What should they yeah. be thinking about? I think, you know, it's interesting. Uh, in my role uh, now, I, I do a lot of supervision, which is training up early career psychologists or provisional psychologists. And, you know, I, I run my own charity where we employ the, these in, interns. And, you know, it's really interesting interviewing people and, and recognising that their their motivations or values might be in conflict to the sector. Um, and, and I think that if people can uh, look into their ego, you know, and make sure that that's in check because ego and psychotherapy don't always go well together, yeah. you know, and can often be quite damaging for clients. Yeah. Um, so I think that everybody has the capacity to develop compassion and empathy and to learn how to be a psychologist, the actual tricks of the trade, you know, yeah. the actual function of what we do yeah. is all, it's all written up in books, you yeah, know, yeah, they've been yeah. writing about it for years. Um, but I think that people need to be able to develop their own insight and their own ability to reflect on themselves because the transpersonal element of psychology, which is that we bring a little bit of ourselves into the room. Now, yes. if yep. you sit there egotistical and <laughs> and not willing to be vulnerable with your clients, yep. and I've been there in my earlier career, I had a great supervisor who raised this with me and taught me how to be vulnerable with my clients. But I think that there's... Um, you know, a or we need to recognise or they need to recognise that they are contributing parts of themselves in the space with their clients. So you need to sit comfortably with that. Yeah. You know, you need to be okay with your own your own stuff, you know, to, to, to be able to um, be as effective as, as you need to be for your clients. Um, it is a long journey, but it needs to be. Yeah. I think that, you know, uh, whilst we're not recognised in the same way as medical professionals, you know, like GPs or psychiatrists. Yeah. It's still specialised work that you're doing. And, it is, a, and absolutely. a lot of times you're dealing with that very vulnerable person where decisions that they make, you know, can affect anything that comes forward after that. Absolutely. So you need to know what you're talking about so that you can guide them, talk to them, teach them, whatever you need to do so that they don't just go, oh my God, you know, this is how my life is. Yeah. Yeah. I think the thing that I, you know, try to train my early career psychs that I'm working with and, and consider for myself is that our work can be the difference between life and death. And I know that sounds really dramatic, but the suicide rates in this country oh, are ridiculous. Yeah. So, you know, if each of those individuals had access to an effective therapeutic intervention, we Definitely. may not see those rates yeah. of suicide. So um, perhaps that's another podcast discussion yeah, is around definitely. suicide yeah. rates and suicide in our in our community. But so I like to to think that the responsibilities of our role 
are equal to the heart surgeon, are equal to the brain surgeon or anybody else whose role runs the risk of death. Yeah. You know, and, and whenever I'm training early career psychs, you know, I do probably put a little bit of fear in them is that they need to be protective of their clients yeah. to reduce that risk because clients are dying, you know, and, and in my in my career, unfortunately, I have had clients die due to suicide. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I take my role very seriously and sometimes it can't be, um, you know, can't be predicted or we no. can't be controlled. But I'd like to believe that I'm as protective as I can be. And, and look, so, without your mental health, I mean, in some ways it's even worse than physical health because if you're not thinking how you should be or how you want to, then you go downhill, you get depressed, you have anxiety, and then mm-hmm. you get sicker and sicker and you go to a doctor and they say, oh, well, I don't know really what's wrong with you. Mm. Whereas, you know, talking to a psychologist, a counsellor, some of those issues can be alleviated pretty quickly Yeah, and the person can get back on to doing what they're doing because... Uh, the saying is what you think you are Mm. and some people can think that they're really sick and they Mm. become really sick because that's what they keep telling themselves. And in actuality, they're not sick. It's just a mental problem that they need to talk through and Mm. they'll get back to good health. Yep, 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 absolutely. So, yeah, I guess that's probably my piece of advice to anyone who's aspiring to go down the track of psychology. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Well, look, unfortunately, we have to leave it there because <laughs> we've just gone way, way over. But it's been so interesting. And I hope that people listening will see why I find you so inspiring, because you know your stuff, your knowledge is unbelievable. And it's always really interesting to hear you talk, because you just, you encapsulate everything that needs to be said. And it's in a way that people understand. It's not like with big, long words and things out of the dictionary that no one has even heard of. Mm-hmm. So it's been fantastic. I'm so happy you came in and did the podcast. Thank and you. Katie Thank will you for be back. Me. She will be back because she's going to do a few uh, conversations uh, in later podcasts where we discuss different topics and issues. Um, So, yeah, once again, I'd like to thank you very much, Katie, for coming in. Thanks for having me. And uh, I'll see you on the next podcast we do together. Absolutely. Thanks, Dan. I hope that you enjoyed part three of my chat with Katie Dibb, Director and Principal Psychologist from Elysium Psychology. If you want to contact us, please visit our website, lifechangesyou.com.au. Don't forget to subscribe and like this podcast, Life Changes You so that you won't miss the next episode where I'll explore what influence is and how it impacts your life. Thanks for listening.